ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is November 20th, and it is Ohio State Game Week, a.k.a. Playoff Week, a.k.a. Big Ten Championship on the Line Week. My name is Chris, joined as always by my co-host, Pat. We have a packed show for you today. Lots to talk through. We got some quick hitters. We got a quick Indiana recap, maybe. We got a full Ohio State preview. Pat, how are you feeling, my man? Uh, excited, not super confident, but I'm excited. Here, I, I would say uh, I would say nervous. Uh, I don't know, I don't want to say not confident, but it's. Uh, I think this will be one of the more realistic podcasts we have, um, where a lot of times we we are overly optimistic, even when we talk about the negatives. Um, this is going to be a different one. So let's start off with some uh, some quick hitters, as always. Then we'll do a quick Indiana recap. We'll get into the Ohio State game. Um, first and foremost, we'll talk about a little bit of a serious topic, uh, obviously making the rounds on all kinds of social media. Um, Sean Clifford received some death threats after the Minnesota game, deleted his social media. Um, just a real shitty, shitty situation all around. But um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? If you're sending death threats to an athlete, uh, especially a non-professional athlete, over their performance in a game, you're a fucking loser. All right, like just get out, find find a hobby. And we all we're all obsessed with this team. We get like we're very invested. But if you're if this is your reaction, the quarterback having one bad game, I mean, in, to anything that happens in a sporting event. That doesn't include an athlete murdering a loved one. Yeah. You're a fucking loser. Get a life. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, it's, yeah, I, I will say, let me say this first and foremost. Agree with everything you just said. In no way, shape, or form. Even professional athletes. Like, if you're literally threatening someone, like, to kill them or telling them they should kill themselves over social media, like, just grow up, man. Um, I, it, I, this is going to sound worse than I mean it. But I almost hate that this came out because I had a very strong take on how Penn State fans are acting on social media. But now this reverses it because now I'm, I'm back in that group of like, yes, people are idiots and it's so dumb. Um, so yeah, Sean Clifford, if you're happening to listen to this, we love you, man. We've been, we've been harsh on your gameplay. We've said some things about how we're excited to see you grow. Um, but I think all in all, it's, it's because we love this team. Like, that's why we do this podcast. That's why people have Penn State accounts on Twitter, right? Because people love the team. They want to see the team do good. Um, so, of course, the people sending, like, even just negative messages in general, I think, are the vocal minority. Um, and then you go to death threats, it's even more of a, a vocal minority. Um, so I'll here, put it this way. I would set the over-under on the amount of sexual partners all the people who sent death threats to Sean Clifford are at one. I'll take the under, yeah. Yeah. I'll take the under. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's absurd. So, Sean, we love you, man. Um, but I am going to pivot into my take because I want to get it out there. Um, social media in general to me is it's kind of hilarious as we've started to get more into the Twitter world and, you know, we, we're building up a little bit of a following here. Um, you see a lot about how people how people react to certain situations and and what pisses me off and what I wanted to get on my soapbox on before this whole Clifford thing is I am so sick and tired of like the social justice warriors for the team and for coach Franklin like there are so many I see so many more tweets saying things like you're not a real Penn State fan if you're not happy with 9 and 1 you shouldn't be saying anything about coach Franklin and we love our team and like people just going like so hard on the offensive than I do about people actually like complaining about it. Like 
I think I think it needs to be said. I, it shouldn't need to be said, but I'm going to say it. It is very okay to be a diehard supporter of this fan and also express frustrations or thoughts when things are bad. Like, th those are not mutually exclusive. There's a very large middle ground, and I think that's where we live, right? We live in that middle ground of we love this team, but we want to talk about things. Like, that's human nature. You want to talk about what's going on. So, like, death threats, of course, I am 100% behind you, and I'll go out there and scream to the top of the lungs, too. No one's going to listen. Like, the people who are sending death threats, they don't follow you. They're not going to see your tweet and change their mind. Unfortunately, that's the world we live in. Um, but everything else, man, it's like... I don't know. It just it pisses me off how like I'm rambling, but like I see more people defending the honor of the team in Franklin than people who are actually upset. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean because it, it seems like like there's a bunch of people shouting at nobody. Yes, it's like it just seems like the cool thing to do. People are like, oh, I got my tweet out there that like I support the team. It's like, yeah, no, no shit, we all support the team. Like that's what we're here for. So here nor there, um, social media, it, there's. There's so much bad to it, but there's also so much good. Um, check out Sack Out Hunger, free plug. A lot of good happening on social media. <laughs> um, let's move on, though, uh, to another um, far less serious topic, but definitely uh, something um, in the negative realm. Our guy Pat Fryermuth, somehow, some way, not a John Mackey Award semifinalist. I've, I've got an idea here. I think there is a diehard Penn Stater on this Mackey uh, committee. Okay. They know Pat Frymouth really wants to win the Mackey Award in his future, so they're keeping him off the list this year. Make sure he comes back next season. That I is think a, this is all working for Penn State. That is a hot take, and I love it. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is Mackey an inside conspiracy. job. Yeah, this is an inside Hashtag job. Mackey conspiracy. Oh, let's get that trending. If you guys listen, uh, get that get that going out there. Just, just tweet at the John Mackey Award. Which one of yeah. you is the Penn State insider? Hashtag Mackey conspiracy. conspiracy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's absurd. Like, I don't think we need to go too deep into this. Um, the list of semifinalists, there's one guy with eight touchdowns, one guy with seven, and then Pat has seven. Everyone else is below that. So if you're looking at touchdowns, which, let's be honest, is the most important thing in football. That's how you score points, if you didn't know. Um, he is tied for second on the list of the guys that made it, and he did make it. Um, sure, he has fewer catches than a lot, fewer yards than a lot, but to me, it's just ridiculous. Um, the thing that I found the most funny is the John Mackey Award gives out a weekly honor, the, the John Mackey Award tight end of the week. Do you know how many times Pat Framworth won it? Twice. Twice. Um, do you know how many other people won it twice? And I will give you a hint. There are other people that won it twice. I would guess one other person. Two other people. Actually, Bryson Hopkins from Purdue and Hunter Bryant from Washington. Do you think those guys are semifinalists? I believe they are. They are! So there's been, what, 10 weeks, I think? Um, I think they've given out 10 awards. I looked out on the Twitter. These three dudes account for six of them. Two of them make it and one doesn't? Just come on, man. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with your theory that it is a conspiracy to keep Pat Frymuth at Penn State. And let's pivot to that. Um, for a long time, there have been rumors about is Pat eligible for the NFL draft or not? Um, because, and we've always known he's a bit older. Like, I think he was celebrating like a 20th birthday as a freshman or something. And we talked about that and didn't really know why. So some of the rumors came out that he did a year of prep school after high school. So that counts as a year removed. 
Uh, some people were saying he transferred high school, so he ended up like repeating the year because I guess he transferred at a bad time. I have no idea what the case is, um, but he himself did confirm it in the interviews um, that he is eligible. So what's your what's your gut reaction on that? I mean, I think he's probably the most NFL-ready player on Penn State. Oh, definitely. Uh, especially for his like position group, you know, just comparing where he is compared to everyone else that plays his position. Uh, it, it sounds like he isn't quite ready to go, though. I mean, that could change at the end of the year. You never know. But he's been vocal about wanting to win the Mackey Award. And after not getting chosen and, like, saying that he sees the Mackey Award in his future. So it sounds like he might want to come back. Yeah, that was a, that was a nice cryptic answer, I think, uh, in, in the interviews, like, when they were uh... – talking to him about it uh someone asked him about the Mackey award and he said yeah i want to win it next year or the year after and someone said does that mean you're coming back and he kind of like he's like well and didn't you know he goes no decisions have been made so um yeah i think it's interesting um i think it'll definitely be a decision because tight end is is one of those positions where if you can be a instant impact tight end in the nfl you're gonna get drafted high I mean, you look last year, Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson both in the first round, Evan Engram in the first round. Like, it's becoming a position in the NFL where it's a big body wide receiver. It's not a tight end that it used to be. So if you've got hands and you're athletic, you're going to make yourself some money. Um, Of course, I hope he comes back. I want him to come back. He's incredible. Um, But that's probably one of the tougher decisions that our guys will have. Um, So I don't want to spend a ton of time right now, but I do want to quickly talk about some other guys that are going to have some decisions we'll do a full i think we'll do a full rundown of this after the ohio state game because i think the ohio state game actually has some implications on this if we win the ohio state game if we get into the big 10 championship get into the playoff all of that i think it's a lot easier for guys to leave um as opposed to not um but guys like kj like yitor like who else are you seeing that you think would be in this similar decision point anyone else come to mind um, I don't know, honestly. Yeah. Mike is too young still. Mike is too young. Yep. Um, we have a lot of guys that are seniors, like true seniors. I think some of the other ones that would, would be eligible even are Robert Windsor. Yeah. Windsor's a senior. So you're, you're looking at like guys like, uh, Michael Mennett probably, or Will Fries. Like some of those guys are probably eligible, but wouldn't leave. So this is a dumb segment cause I don't have people prepared. Um, but I think the biggest ones, and that's my front door buzzing. I'm not expecting anything, so I'm not going to answer it. Um, I think the biggest ones are going to be Fryermuth, KJ and Yitor. Um, Yitor yeah. very likely. Yes. Cause he's already being talked about as a first round pick. KJ, I think, super, super intriguing, especially with this kind of injury concern that he has right now. And then Pat is one that I think he comes back, but it wouldn't shock me if he left. Yeah, I'm always more optimistic about people coming back, and I'm wrong like 70% of the time. Yeah, that, that tends to happen. I remember we did this. We did the whole <laughs> rundown last year, and we were like, no, he's coming back. He's coming back. And then Every like, guy we said. Sharif we went. Miles went. They were all going, going, going. So, yeah, it's uh, – that's a conversation for next week. We will we'll get the full list of guys that are eligible, and we'll go through every single name, um, who we think will leave, who will come back. Um, another award snub. Finalists were announced for the Burlesworth Trophy, which goes on uh, to the best player of the year who was initially a walk-on. If you remember, Jan Johnson was a semi-finalist. He is not a finalist. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't have a list of best walk-ons in the country, but... You don't keep track of I, it? No, I don't. Oh, I okay. Don't. you got to step your game up. 
Uh, I I can't imagine many walk-ons are doing a better job than him, like being an anchor of one of the best defenses in the country. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, I I didn't actually see all the finalists. The only one I saw, I think, was the the kicker from Georgia who wears those crazy Rex specs. Um, and he's a kicker, which is fine. Whatever. Like he's had some big moments in championship games in the hist- historically. I don't know what he's doing this year. Either way, Jan Johnson. I think he should have been a finalist. He's not. It sucks. Jan, we love you. Uh, moving on to some positives. So uh, I tweeted out um, probably two weeks ago or so that the, or maybe last week, the Reese's Senior Bowl um, was starting to uh, announce people that had accepted the invitations. Uh, talked about some guys that were on their watch list. Talked about some other guys that could get invites. Uh, we had our first one confirmed today. Robert Windsor has accepted his invitation to the Reese's Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah, you got to be happy for Robert Windsor. He came in a guy who's probably one of the least talked about members of the defensive line. Uh, had a couple of really big games this season. Been a little quiet the past two games, but really hoping we see a lot out of him in Ohio State. And I think, you know, if Penn State has a chance at this game, Robert Windsor's going to have to have a big day. Yeah, and I think this is such a cool opportunity for him because I think, I think the Senior Bowl um, – I don't know how long it's been going on, but I know like within the last couple of years as I've started to hear it has been for more like kind of under the radar prospects. Like if you're if you're a Chase Young, you're not going to the senior bowl. Like it just doesn't work that way. I think I think Baker Mayfield was there when he was able to, but like I think Josh Allen was there. Like it, it happens sometimes with quarterbacks, but I feel like I feel like some of the top, top prospects don't go because they know they're gonna go first round. Doesn't doesn't really benefit them. Yes, yeah, so I think the big thing for this the senior bowl is like the testing that they do. And the drills that they do before the game can do a lot for your draft stock. We, we actually saw Amani's draft stock take a big hit last year because he did not have good practices for the senior bowl. Yeah, Amani and Trace were both there last year. Um, so Robert Windsor has confirmed. Um, I think you see a couple other guys. I haven't seen anything announced, but I would I would expect guys like Cam Brown, John Reed, Garrett Taylor. Like those guys are also like very talented, but probably mid to late rounders right now. Um, and an invite and an acceptance to that could really, really boost their stock. Um, so hopefully we see some more come out. The other one that we saw, I actually didn't retweet this because I just saw it earlier. Um, Steven Gonzalez, uh, offensive lineman, uh, who is in his last year, you remember he thought about leaving early last year and came back, uh, has accepted his invite to the East-West Shrine game, which is similar, but I think a little less prestigious than the Reese's Senior Bowl. Kind of same thought process. Cool for him. Another chance to, to show why he belongs and why he deserves to get drafted. All linemen always get drafted. It's just a matter of kind of where you go. You know, we saw, we saw what was it, Ryan Bates um, went early and, and went undrafted. Uh, Gonzalez came back. So hopefully the extra year, some highlights in this East-West Shrine gets him drafted. Um, all right. I think that's it for quick hitters. Anything else, uh, anything else on your end, quick hitters? No. How's Penn State wrestling doing? Anything else since that last one? Uh, you know, opened up the season dominating one and zero. They, uh, I believe, they won the Black Net Invitational, which is an invitational tournament. Uh, had a couple of champs there. A bunch of guys wrestled well. I didn't get to watch it, but so still crushing. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Cool. Good yeah, update. Still crushing. Good. Still update. number one in the country. Still number one. Good update. Um, Penn State basketball doing some good things. Lamar Stevens. I don't know if you saw his uh, Sports Center top ten. Pretty dope. Second time this season. Yeah. Um, we are in no way, shape, or form basketball like experts, but. Cool to see them doing good things. All right, let's move to the Indiana recap. Um, 
I don't have a whole lot for this game in particular. I think uh, it's, you know, we're recording this Wednesday night. I've kind of moved on from it. Um, so one thing, the only thing I really wanted to talk about um, that I thought was really cool was uh, Military Appreciation Week. Um, we've seen this in the past. Typically a player runs the flag out. Um, a couple years ago we saw, um, shit, I'm blanking on his name, uh, the player that ran it out. He was like in the army or something. Do you remember that? I forget. I'm blanking. Someone someone tweet me his name. Sorry, I forgot. Um but this, this season, uh, Cam Brown ran the flag out and gave it to his dad, who actually served in the military. Just a really cool moment to see them embracing. You could see the dad's smile light up as he saw Cam run out towards him. Very, very cool moment. The other cool moment, uh, which always, always gets a tearjerker from, from the crowd and from myself, um, is when they do surprise military homecomings. Um, so Noah Young, who is currently in the U.S. Navy, um, his family was on the field. There was a special video message of him saying hello. They were being kind of like honored at the game. Um, his wife was actually a Penn State soccer player. So the first surprise, they brought out Allie Krieger and Alyssa Nair from the U.S. Na- women's national team, which was super cool. Um, she was super excited about that. You know, they did, the, they did the video message from her husband, and then they're like, oh, he can't be here, but we have this surprise. And they came out. So that was super cool. And then they did surprise number two, just kidding, he's actually here. And they brought him from the other side of the field, like on a chariot. It was beautiful. I was crying. It was it was amazing. Yeah, very much. You love to see it. Yeah, it so super cool stuff. Um, but the game itself, uh, I, I don't have a lot of thoughts. What, uh, what do you want to talk about on Indiana? I've got some thoughts. Let's go. Defense looks horrible. This is now the second week in a row. The Penn State offense has carried the team, and the defense has not shown up at all. That's very concerning. Because, I mean, as much as people hate on Ricky Ronnie, this has been a productive offense pretty much all season. Maybe not through every minute of the game all season, but they've put up significant points in every game. Yeah. And now this defense that has been really, like, kind of nationally talked about for a long time has been the identity of the team, not only this season, but seasons past, looks really bad. Um, I was trying to forget about that, which is why I didn't have many thoughts on this game. Um yeah, it was ugly, man. It, it wasn't pretty. Um, I talked about it in my post-game quick video. Um, I kind of chalk it up to, like, this is the hangover game from Minnesota. Like, I hope so. Spirits are down, obviously, right? After you lose your first game, it always happens. Spirits go down. They know or they think maybe they're playing for second at this point, um, which isn't true. Of course, we control our own destiny. Um, but, yeah, I kind of see it as that. It's like the last two years after after our first our heartbreaking loss of the season to Ohio State. We've gone into the Michigan State game, very lackluster, very just like not up for it, and we lost. And I was terrified of that happening this game. I think that was my you know key to victory in our in our preview videos was like get back to basics, don't let the hangover beat you, don't beat yourselves. And we kind of saw it, but we were able to come through the other side. So yeah, I've I've given a lot of flack to Ricky Ronnie. Um, you are right. We have put up points, even if the play call has been suspect or it hasn't been consistent. Um, and the defense before these last two weeks, before Indiana and Minnesota, I have been incredibly confident in the defense. Um, and then from the start of the Minnesota game, just kind of seems like our secondary is non-existent, which is really, really difficult. Not just our secondary, our defensive line. As yeah. getting no pass rush. Yeah, which kind of aids the other, right? If the D-line is not yeah. getting pressure, the secondary has to work harder, and, and you know they're not getting the support. So it is difficult, man. I, I, like, I don't have a lot to say on it because I don't know what the fix is. I don't know where it came from. 
Like this has not been a problem really all year. Yeah, I, it's all of a sudden the defensive line is getting no pressure, uh, which makes it unquestionably way easier for the quarterback to make a good throw. And then the secondary seems just unable to yeah. make a play on the ball. Yeah, how much how much do you think uh, of Indiana's success was seeing the blueprint from Minnesota and, and kind of how they attacked us? Because it felt like very similar the way Peyton Ramsey was throwing. Um, I remember saying, like, he's not going to beat us with a deep ball and then fucking beat us with a deep ball a couple of times. Um, like, do you think... Yeah, so- on, on an awful play by Garrett Taylor where he just doesn't come over at all. He's supposed to be the safety. That, that last touchdown that Indiana scores, they get that big reception down the sideline, I think on a third down, too. Mm-hmm. On when, when the game's supposed to be sewn up and all of a sudden now it's tight. Uh, they, they, I mean, we're playing two safeties over top. They run just a sideline go route, and Garrett Taylor just never comes over for safety help. His one job on that entire assignment is the guy who runs the deepest, and he's nowhere near him. I, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, that's such an inexcusable moment there. It's yeah. his only thing that he has to do on that play. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's more disheartening because you've got a guy in Brent Pry who has been fairly consistent. Like, yeah, we've given him shit here and there, but he's been a very good defensive coordinator over the years, in my opinion. Um, he gets head coaching offers all the time from lower level schools, of course, but he's a name that comes up every year. Um, I think it was like Georgia Southern or something was trying to pry him away. Pry? Oh, that's funny. I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> Classic. Um, so you have a guy who's a, who is a veteran D coordinator, so to say. You have several seniors in your secondary, Garrett Taylor, John Reed, uh, Tariq has played a lot of football. Like, you shouldn't expect this kind of struggle. Like, if it happens against Minnesota, sure, whatever, we got exposed. Like, with this kind of leadership and, and veteran presence, you would expect we'd be able to fix it the next week, and it just wasn't there. Um, like, at this point, I, I don't really, I don't, I don't know how to say this, but I don't care because it doesn't matter like what happened in the Indiana game, all that matters is if we're able to somewhat fix it for Ohio State. Because if we play the way we played against these two teams, against Ohio State, we will get blown the fuck out. Um, oh, yeah. So it's 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 got to change. Like, I don't have the answer. I'm not a D coordinator. But, yeah, that was ugly. Um, positive stuff from the game. Mike Parsons is the man. Um, yeah. As always. That hit at the goal line um, – I don't know how he covers the ground he does. Um, and, like, to, to cut that dude off at the half-yard line was unreal. Um, he just makes plays all over the place. I love Michael Parsons. I love that he's only a true sophomore. I we have, a, we have one more year of him, I'll say that. Like, we don't have at least one more. We have one more. That dude will be gone. Yeah, he's gone. Um, but Mike is a bright spot. And, honestly, when we talk about the secondary, um, who was it, Marquise Wilson was in there with the takeaway? Yep. That kid is looking good. I mean, him and Keaton Ellis are looking very good at corner. So, like, as much as we're talking about the, the challenges in the secondary, future's looking kind of bright. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing more of them on the field. Agreed. Agreed. Um, we were talking, what was it, our last episode, the group therapy one, um, Alex, Tony, Brandon, I don't remember who, but I think, I think maybe it was Alex. Uh, I think it was Alex. Ke- uh, Keaton Ellis, he believes he's our best cover corner right now. And it's kind of... I don't know if it's sad or if it's like encouraging because it's sad that our veterans aren't better than a true freshman, but it's encouraging that our recruiting pipeline has allowed true freshmen to maybe be the best player at the position on the field. Yeah, I think it's hopeful. Yeah. So uh, Marquise is awesome. He's gotten so much praise from the coaching staff. They talk him up all the time of like, 
he believes every ball is his in the air. Like he has the confidence that he can make any play. Um, and you saw that, like that, that big hit. I'm surprised they didn't review that for targeting when he took that away. Um, but yeah, he's he's a guy that hopefully you see more on the field. And and I think in the Ohio State game, hopefully you see some of these like creative packages, maybe where you get more of these guys on the field, um, as opposed to maybe just sticking to that loyalty that we've seen in the past that has kind of hurt us. Honestly, the thing that concerned me most about this game is if you watch it, like Indiana kind of should have won it and they gave it away. Yeah. Between the muff punt and that ridiculously bad fake punt that they accidentally called. Why did they run like, that? They got their signals mixed up. Apparently, had to be. Uh, that, that was like uh, yeah. that was like the Pat McAfee one with the Colts. Remember that when he was like by himself yeah. and they just crushed him. Yeah, essentially, they they were supposed to snap it to the punter. Got it. Even then, I don't know why you'd snap it to the punter with that formation. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like they gave this game away to Penn State. Yeah, yeah. I went into this game terrified that we were going to lose because of the hangover. I know I keep saying it, um, and we escaped. And I, and that, that's how like that's how I'm I'm talking myself into like being. Hyped I'm hoping up. you're right. That's that how I'm talking myself another... into being hyped up for Ohio State. Is, this is the same shit we've done every year, but we were good enough to pull out the win. Like the last years, we had the hangover. We weren't good enough to rally. Like this year, we were we are talented enough that we were able to overcome even some of that shit. Um, another positive from this game: Journey Brown, man, dude is looking good. Yeah, he's a great breakout running back. Like, if he gets a step, he's gone. Yeah. I mean, the last two games, I think, he has, like, 225 yards combined, something like that, a couple of touchdowns. Um, it's it's the most pleasant surprise of the season, in my opinion. Like, this guy having a feature role and doing well. Like, I think every week for the first, like, seven or eight weeks, we were going back and forth on who we wanted the starter to be. Like, no, Noah Kane needs more. I remember there was an episode I literally said, I feel more comfortable when Noah Kane and Devin Ford are on the field. Get the two of them on the field. And, like, I've just, I mean, hand up, I'll admit it. Like, I never thought Journey could be a real running back. Like, I know that sounds mean, but, like, I've always thought of him as, like, hey, he's the speed guy that they brought in, and he'll be an athlete, and he'll be a nice complimentary piece. I never looked at him as, like, a full-time running back. Yeah, I mean, I still like Noah Kane as our option for he's just guaranteed yards. Uh, like, if we need a first down late in the game, the team knows we're going to run the ball. I still like Noah Kane in there. I He's got great vision, good patience, and a good balance of power and speed. But, I mean, Journey can break plays better than anyone else in that backfield. Yeah, I want I really want to see the one-two punch of Journey and Noah with Devin as the third guy and then... Who was it telling us to get Ricky? Uh, Ricky as a wide receiver. Sweens? Was it Sweens? One of our one of our. Forget, guys. I'm I'm fully open to actually yeah, having Ricky Slade be a slot receiver. He is the most productive when he's catching the rest the ball. of our receivers aren't doing a whole lot. Yeah, and and Ricky's the most productive when he's catching the ball. When he's running, he's yeah. just not there. So like, yes, we've gone back and forth on all of this. Incredibly happy to see Journey Brown have success. Um, Noah Kane, hopeful to be back this week. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but yeah, that was a positive of this game seeing Journey run. Oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, speaking of, you said uh, you said you like Noah Kane in those short yardage situations. What the hell were we doing with Will Levis in there as like the lion? Did you see that? I yeah, that was not a good play call. Like, give me give me some sort of like spin on this to make it sound good because I heard people saying like he was the replacement for Noah Kane because he's a hard runner and he can run better than Cliff, so that's why they brought him in. I just don't see it. He's bigger than 
cliff. Yeah, by like but... an inch and ten pounds. Like it's not that yeah. big of a difference. Maybe it's more than an inch. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't see the. Uh, I, I don't just, see the benefit of that play. I didn't like it one because of where it was called. We were like in the red zone, and it was a second down. I think something like that. Um, if I'm wrong, I apologize, but maybe. Um, so I didn't like trying something new there. Like Cliff has shown he can run. And if it's going to be a designed quarterback run, at least make it like an option that you give Cliff some sort of chance. With Will Levis in there, everyone in the goddamn stadium knows he's running the ball. Like, that's the package. Like, at least when we did the line with Tommy, there were there were options. So, like, I didn't like it because of where we called it. Um, and, like, someone else on Twitter was trying to tell me, like, oh, they did it just to have it on tape. The fuck out of here! Like I appreciate you. I appreciate your thoughts. I don't agree with that whatsoever. Because um, if you just want something on tape, you do it at a time where you're like blowing people out or something. Um, so yeah, weird, weird play call. Um, last thing to talk about what was it an 18 play, nine minute drive for a touchdown? You ever see yeah, that before that, in the Franklin era? That was great, man. Oh, that that's that saved us this game. It really did. I mean, um, I mean this has been this has been the. One of the biggest criticisms of Franklin since he got here is he hasn't been able to close out games by controlling the ball and finishing. And more more so early on, it's been against like big teams. But hell, Indiana seven and two coming in very excited, and we were able to control that final drive. And that I mean, nine minutes off the clock is huge. Um, so yeah, I said I had nothing to say about Indiana. Clearly, I had a couple things to say about Indiana, um, but it's a win. That's the biggest thing. It's a win, and our our hopes are still alive. And I do think just this season we have to take heart from the differences we have closed out games. We closed out that Michigan game, uh, you know, where they came back. Closed out this Indiana game that in past seasons it looked like one we, you know, might yep. let go. Iowa. Yeah, closed out the Iowa game, and so like. It seems like a lot of he's, – he's getting better as a coach, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's like what I talked about in the beginning is like, listen, I'm always going to support James Franklin. I think he's a fantastic coach. I think where he's taken this program from where he started to where we are now is incredible. Yeah. But am I allowed to be a little frustrated when we lose to Minnesota on route to a quote-unquote perfect season? Of course. Like that's the expectation that you create when you're an elite team. Or a great team trying to be elite. Like, this is college football. If you're not okay with fans being frustrated at losing a single game, then you don't understand college football. One game means everything. Doesn't mean I don't support you. Doesn't mean I don't love you. But that's the truth. All of that being said, we still control our own destiny. We go into Columbus, Ohio. Second to last week of the season. A trip to the Big Ten Championship on the line. What's your general thoughts on this game, Pat? How are you feeling? <sighs> Honestly, I feel like Ohio State's just too good. Uh, I don't see any real weaknesses in them as a team. Uh, I think if KJ isn't healthy, we have like, we're in serious trouble. But there are there are pockets of hope. Yeah, there are pockets of hope for Penn State in this. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing you got to think is like, it's college football, man. And literally anything can happen. This is the, I think, really the one sport that literally anything can happen. A fucking Division Two team can beat a top five team, you know, in, in Appalachian State, Michigan. Georgia can lose at home 
to South Carolina on their third-string quarterback and still be ranked number four in the country. Like, anything can happen. Is Ohio State a more talented team than us? Yes. Is this the most complete Ohio State team we've seen in a long time? Yes. Are we on the road and 19-point underdogs? Yes. But if you're not hyped up and excited and ready to run through a brick fucking wall to win this game, then you shouldn't be a fan. You shouldn't be on the team. Yeah. You shouldn't be on the coaching staff. Like, if you're not jacked the fuck up, get out. Just get out. So let's talk some numbers. Um, Ohio State, Penn State, matchup, rivalry, if you will. It's not a rivalry. It's not. Stop saying it. Like, whatever. Um, <laughs> we're 1-4 in four under Franklin, which is not great. Uh, if you go back to 2000, we are 5-14 and 14 against Ohio State. So, like, people want to make this a rivalry. People want to get, like, oh, we're, yeah, this has been closer than Michigan Ohio State. Like, listen, no. Michigan Ohio State will always be the rivalry. Has this game been really exciting the last couple of years? You're damn right it has. Um, last two years, everyone knows this, but just to reiterate, last two years we've lost by one point each year. 39-38, 27-26, absolutely gut-wrenching. And then 2016, everyone knows this one, of course. We won the block and return, 24-21. So what's your take on that? Do you see this as a rivalry? Do you see this, like, do you think Ohio State views us any differently because it's been close the last couple years? Or do you think they see this as just another game? Um, I don't think it's just another game. It's more than just another game, but it's less than a rivalry. I think in part because of the you know the history of Michigan Ohio State, but I, it's hard to say that you know in past recent years they've probably been more worried about this game than Michigan. Yeah, yeah, I think the last three years absolutely. Um, like I said, the last two we literally should have won both last last two years. We lost by a point each and we blew it both times. I'm not going to go there. We should be three and zero in the I'm, last three years. I'm not going to relive that memory, but last two years should have been a one, should have been a win, um, and then 2016, of course, was an incredible moment. Um, can I say this too? I, I've asked this before. This is a safe space. Can we stop? Can we stop like retweeting the block and return and getting so excited about it? Like, I I will always love that play. It will always have a place in my heart. But everyone in the world like tweets it out as like because anytime someone on Ohio State Twitter says something, like a Penn State fan will reply with that. It's like, dude, they won the last two years. You can't keep using that as your only thing. It, yeah, it's one of those things that's like I love that play, and I get excited every time I see it. Of course, but I yeah, when someone like replies with that on Twitter, I'm like you're making us kind of look like losers, making man. us look so bad, like so bad, because like we we still bring that up, like oh, 2016 Big Ten Championship. Yes, it was amazing. Let's go do that again rather than living in yeah. the past. They've done it the past two years. Yeah, so like we can't really shit on them with our exactly. Big Ten championships. Exactly. <laughs> like if you want to talk to Michigan about Big Ten championships, do it. Go right ahead. hundred percent. Can't really do that to Ohio State. Not yet. After this weekend, sure. Um, see, positivity. Positivity. Yeah. Um, Ohio State is 10-0 this year. We'll get into the stats in a bit, but they are a prolific offense, a prolific defense. Um, and the big storylines for them coming into this year were new head coach, Ryan Day. How was he going to replace Urban Meyer? And new quarterback, Justin Fields. Would he be the top quarterback prospect that he was hyped up to be coming out of high school? Um, I don't think there's much debate here. They're both exceeding expectations by a million. Um, 
Any thoughts on that new combo this year, Ryan Day, Justin Fields? Yeah, working out pretty well for him so far. <laughs> yeah, I remember last year, and I should pull up some of these tweets just to, to old takes expose some people. Um, I remember last year when Urban left, everyone was telling me this is going to be the year that Ohio State will falter. Like, it's going to take some time for Ryan Day to get up to speed. And, like, my answer, and not even in, like, a like a negative way or, like, oh, poor me way, was, like, no, it's not. Like, he's been, what, their offensive coordinator. He ran the team for a couple of weeks when, when Urban was suspended or whatever, whether or not Urban was involved in those weeks. Like, he was recruiting exceptionally well. Like, I just didn't see it. And everyone was trying to tell me, like, oh, they're going to drop this year and we're going to we're gonna cruise past them. It's like... Nope, not even a little bit. Ryan Day's doing just yeah, fine. They're looking pretty solid. Um, and then Justin Fields, man. Um, this is obviously a, a near and dear situation to a lot of Penn Staters. Uh, if you hadn't heard, and of course you do because you're listening to this podcast, Justin Fields was once verbally committed to Penn State. Um, I am very, very, very much on the side of this argument that I don't care that he ended up at Ohio State. Like, does it sting a little bit extra? Maybe. But he was a verbal commit. He was never once officially part of our program. And who cares where he is? Who cares? Like, Ohio State's always going to have a good quarterback. You're always going to have to beat a good quarterback. So does it suck that he's Ohio State? Yeah. But, like, get over it. Um, All that being said, he is turning out to be every single bit of what he's been hyped up to be. Um, I mentioned it earlier. This is the most complete Ohio State team we've seen. He's the best quarterback they've had in the last, I don't know, eight, ten years. Like, you look back at Haskins, Cardell Jones, JT Barrett, uh, Braxton Miller, Darrell Pryor. Like, all all talented, right? All talented. Fields has it all. Yeah, I mean, he might be the most talented quarterback they've ever had. Yeah, I don't know the history of Ohio State, to be super honest with you, but... Um, yeah, he's incredible. It's funny. I, saw, I forget who tweeted it. Someone, someone, one of the Penn State accounts was tweeting earlier. Like, all right, guys, starting to watch some Ohio State tape. And uh, yeah, they're good. Like, okay, thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> and then, like, the follow-up tweet was, hate to say it, guys, but Justin Fields is effing good. It's like, yeah, where have you been all season, man? Um, so the interesting thing on Fields, I'll say, I don't know if you heard this in uh, the, one of his interviews, um, but they asked him about flipping from Penn State. Obviously, that's a storyline this this week. Um, and they said it was a, in big part because they believed Coach Moorhead would leave. Um, he, Moorhead was a big reason why Fields and his family were comfortable coming to Penn State because they thought he could succeed in Moorhead's offense. Um, and once they started to believe that he would leave is why they flipped to, to Georgia. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I mean, makes sense. Show <laughs> Moorhead, incredibly good offensive coordinator. Uh, so good, you know, he's going to become a head coach. Uh, it's never a great idea to go to a school for an assistant coach. You actually see this happen a lot in wrestling, where a kid will commit to a school for an assistant coach. That assistant coach takes a head coaching job, and then that kid is stuck at the school mm. with a coach that he didn't go there for. And you, it's it's something you should never do. Because assistant coaches, it's it's just a really good chance they're going to end up, especially offensive coordinators. People yeah. are always looking to turn offensive coordinators into head coaches. I think it's so, I think it's a little different in football, just because like the bond and the relationship you have with your positional coach has to be so strong. Like, of yeah. course, of course, you you want to be super close with the head coach, but like as a quarterback, 
you want to know that your quarterback's coach and your offensive coordinator is going to take you to where you need to be. As a defensive lineman, you want to be super close with Sean Spencer. Like, of course, you care about Brent Pry, but, like, you want to be closer with your position guy. Um, so I get it. Like, I, I just thought it was cool to see it, like, officially said. Like, we all speculated it, obviously, and we kind of knew that that was the reason, but kind of cool to see it officially said. Um, what else about Ohio State? Um, Chase Young, Heisman run, uh, and then suspension. He's coming back. Obviously, I think we have a couple of Twitter questions on this one of, of you know, is he rusty or is he hungry? <laughs> Which side of the fence do you land on that? The two games out. Probably against, hungry. At two games against powerhouses in Maryland yeah. Rutgers that he missed. I think, I think he's doing all right. Yeah. Nice, um, <laughs> nice relax, relaxation for Chase Young. Yeah, unbelievable. At a crucial time in the schedule. Mm -hmm. It's like a healthy scratch right there is really what it was. Um, yeah. And then last things about Ohio State, their remaining games are us and Michigan. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we need to win this game if we want a chance at the Big Ten title. Uh, obviously, these last couple weeks are pivotal for everyone and, and every conference and all the college football playoff rankings, but we need to win this game if we want to be in the Big Ten championship. A um, couple notes on Penn State. We mentioned it earlier. Uh, Noah Kane, um, this week, they said is the most he's practiced since getting hurt, and he is a game-time decision is uh, what the latest report says, which is kind of weird because Franklin never really gives updates like that. Like He doesn't say, like, oh, this guy's questionable or this guy's this. Um, but he said Noah's a game-time decision, and they're hopeful that they can get KJ back. Um, yeah, not much to talk about there. Both those guys are super important. I want them both on the field. Um, I mean, Noah apparently was 90% at Minnesota. I think there was an a, a argument to play him in those goal line situations. If he's 90%, run him through and maybe win that game. Indiana, probably not as much. Even if he's at 90%, Journey was killing it. Maybe he didn't need him. Um, but this game, even if he's 90, even if he's 95, you can't hold anything back. I know you want to think about the kid's future and his long-term career. If he is that close to being ready, I think you have to play him. Yeah, it's also going to depend on just how their body is responding to, you know, like if he's not able to make cuts at 100%, like he's not going to benefit the team. You know what I mean? If he can't make the moves that he needs to make on the field, it's not going to do any good for him to be out there. It's going to hurt the team. True, but like how big of a difference is 90% to 100 versus like if he was 50%, you know? Yeah, I I, I don't know how to answer that. It, it You know, it just depends on how their body is responding to the things they have to do. You don't have a PhD? You can't give me answers right now? No. God damn it. No, I didn't. I wasn't um, a Kines major. <laughs> All right. Uh, so where do you want to go from here? You want to go through like team stats or you want to go to Twitter questions? Because I can tell you the team stats is basically Ohio State is in the top echelon of pretty much every category. Penn State is doing well, but not in the same level. Yeah. I, I, don't say, I, I think Ohio State stats are so good we don't really have to go through them. They're in the top five of every important category. Seriously. Points scored, 51 and a half. That's first. Rushing yards, 287 a game. That's fourth. Third down percentage, 58 and a half percent. That's first. Um, so that's their offense. Their defense, uh, points allowed, 9.8. First. Pass yards allowed, 126. First. Sacks per game, 4.2. Second. Tackles for loss per game, 9.3. Second. I can read all. One actually that is super surprising and really, really good. Red zone defense. 61%. That is so good. Most teams give up like 85 plus. 61%. 
They've had only 18 red zone trips against them. They've allowed scores 11 times. Six of those were touchdowns. Five of them were field goals. So even if you get in the red zone, there is nothing guaranteed. Um, so yeah, we're not going to read yeah, through everything else. Long story short, they're a very talented team. You want to get to some Twitter questions? Yeah, yeah, let's do some Twitter questions. Let's do it. I think that'll spark some debate. Because um, I, I don't want to be negative. I don't want to just sit here and talk about how good they are. We know that. We are aware of that. Um, so we're going to go Twitter Twitter questions. Can't speak tonight. Uh, we're just going to go chronologically here. I don't have them sorted out. So sorry for that. Um, let's go back to a couple days ago. Uh, shout out Nick Rocky. Uh, R-O-C-K-E-Y, Rocky, Rocky, I think it's Rocky. Uh, Nick Rocky, he's written into us a couple times now, so shout out Nick, I appreciate you. Uh, I said, would love a shout out on your Indiana Recap Podcast. Here it is, shouting you out. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the question. Historically under James Franklin, Penn State versus Ohio State has always ended in only a few points. Being a 19 and a half point underdog, now up to 18 and a half, do you feel this year will be any different from previous years? So, Pat, without giving away your final prediction, because we'll get to that after Twitter questions, uh, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you see this as being a, a close game again, or is, is Vegas right and this will be a big-time blowout? I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, it's one of these things, I think it's kind of crazy that we're an 18-point dog as a one-loss team. Um, but if you look at just like the way we've played the past two weeks, I will say if we play that way against Ohio State, we could lose by like 35. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I want I want to be disrespected by the 18 and a half. I really want to be like, that's absurd. This should be an eight-point game, a nine-point game um, spread rather than that game. But I don't know, man. Like, I'll say this. Vegas is like all-knowing. They know everything. They're always incredibly right. Um I, I, I won't spoil my predictions either, but to, to the question, do you feel this will be any different from previous years? Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot different from previous years. The last three years that were super close were the Trace McSorley era with established offensive weapons, with a guy who carried the team and got better year over year over year. Um, this year is Sean Clifford, a first-year starter. For as good as he's been, he is a first-year starter going on the road to Columbus, Ohio. Not super easy. This is an offense who has lacked an identity, right? KJ has been fantastic and, an, and a playmaker, but still struggled with some drops. When he's out, the offense looks very different. Um, for as good as Journey's been, the running game has been hit or miss at times. Um, so do I think it's going to be different? Yeah, because I think it's just an entirely different team. Um, on the flip side of the ball, defense, I think two weeks ago, I would say... Something very different than what I'll say right now. Yeah, I think it's going to be different, man. Our, our defense is showing some holes, showing some things that they can exploit. Um, and yeah, um, I don't know. So yes, my, my answer is yes. I think this is going to be very different from previous years. Now, does that mean we can't win? No. But I think it's going to be a very different game than what we've seen the previous years. This is the worst matchup we've had with Ohio State in the past three years, it feels like. Like yeah. Every other every year, it seems like we've matched up well with them, uh, but this one has potential to be. This this one reminds me a little bit of Michigan last year, where I was coming in saying like I just don't like the way we match up stylistically, and 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 it could be a blowout and it ended up being like that. This just reminds me of that. Yeah. 
yeah, so will it be a different game than the last few years? Yes. Um, does that mean we don't have a chance? No. I, I think I think there's still I think there's still a path to winning this game. Um, we'll talk about what we need to do to do that in a minute. Um, but I do think it will it'll feel different. It'll look different than the last couple of years of these sort of grind them out grudge matches. Uh, next one's come from our friends at the Walk On Red Shirts podcast. Before I get to their questions, uh, did get a DM from them asking about a friendly wager. Uh, we have not decided what that might be this year. Um, I said I'm down. I said I'm down. Uh, they came back and asked me if I wanted the 19 points. Um, I need oh, yeah. I was going to say, we're betting on the spread. No, fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. Um, no, I, listen, gentlemen, if you're listening to this, uh, I will DM you back. But no, we are going straight up. I'm not going to sit here All and right. take a, a moral victory. Fuck out of here. Um, so, listeners, if you, uh, if you can come up with a good thing, last year uh, with – uh, Jake from that podcast, who's an Ohio State grad, um, with his uh, Ohio State account, we did. We had to change our our Twitter picture. Loser had to change their Twitter picture. So ours for his was uh, KJ Hill scoring his touchdown. We had that as our Twitter picture. For so if you guys can come up with anything more creative, tweet at us. Let us know. I'll throw that out as a as a question on on Friday. Um, let people come up with something, and we'll do we'll do a little something a little fun. Um, but their actual questions: If Hamler is out. Slash not 100%, how does that change the game? A lot, man. Um, I think not 100%. He's like so gritty that it won't make a gigantic difference. But if he's out, I mean, this that changes everything about this game. Like I think without KJ Hamler, Penn State has so little chance at winning this game. Uh, he's by far the most productive receiver on the team. Uh Leads the team in receptions, yards, and touchdowns, I believe. Um, and he's other than Pat Fryermuth, he's the only consist. He's the only option that Sean Clifford goes to consistently. You know, yeah. Justin Shorter gets like maybe four targets a game. Four, uh, shockingly high. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Jahan Dotson goes like he gets him in clusters. Yep. Um, I have. Unfortunately, just like not a ton of confidence in Dan Chazena or uh, Daniel George. Yeah. And like Nick Bowers gets random touchdown catches every other game. Yeah, I, I agree. Our, our, our receiving core, including tight ends, has been a challenge. Um, Pat's been great. Nick Bowers, like you said, has those flashes. Um, but the receipt, like the tight ends have kind of made up for the lack of receiver depth, I'd say. Yeah. Um, if KJ is not 100%, I do think that actually changes it because I agree he's gritty enough. He's a he's a warrior. He will play through. Um, but if he's not 100% and he doesn't have say his you know his top speed that he normally has, um, that changes a bit because Ohio State has some damn good defensive backs. Yeah, man. it doesn't mean nothing. Yeah, there. I mean Ohio State has put out NFL <laughs> defensive back year over year over year in the first round the last couple of years. Um, and just look at the passing yards they're allowing at game 126. That's better than most teams do like against the run. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super super impressive. Uh, their one defensive back, Jeffrey Okuda, will be a top ten pick. I think I'm saying that right. Um, they they've got a really good secondary, obviously shown by the stats that you just read. So if if he's not 100, percent that impacts it. Um, if he's out, yeah, it's a whole different ball that's, game. Whole yeah, different like ball game. Mess. What we saw last week when KJ went out initially looked like we were scared to pass. Looked like we we didn't trust anything. Um, they made a couple of connections. Hippenhammer had a nice catch over the middle. Um, Slade out of the backfield. Like there were some options. 
Um, but the identity gets very, very lost without KJ, which is scary, right? Because, I mean, we've talked about it. he's a guy that can go to the NFL next year. Like, you got to think about the future of this, too. For this given week, uh, the only thing I'll say is if he is out, let's put a quick spin zone on this, um, it will force Ricky Ronnie and Sean Clifford to be creative and maybe not die by the comfortability. That's a, that's a, a positive spin. How's that sound? Yeah. Uh, you know, because like when KJ's in, he's the safety blanket, right? Cliff will chuck it up to him. He'll he'll look to him before everyone else, which is good until it's too much. So, of course, we want him in there. Um, first and foremost, just hope he's healthy. Concussions are crazy. Concussions are scary. We hope he's healthy. We hope he's taken care of. And if he is, we want him in the game. Um, next from Walk on Red Shirts, we got a couple. Uh, what's the worst food at Thanksgiving? Worst food at Thanksgiving? Um Definitely canned cranberry sauce. I was going to say cranberry in general. I'm not a fan. I don't do it. I'm, I make a pretty mean cranberry sauce, and it's pretty good. But I'll be honest, even I prefer gravy. Yeah. Um, but if you're, if you're coming out here with canned cranberry sauce, no one's touching it. It looks like, like jello. You just slice it up. It's, I don't like that. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we're on the same page. This is why we're a good podcast. Uh, next one. What item would you get into a fight on Black Friday for? Oh, that's a good question. Here, you go first. I'm going to have to think about that. Um, probably nothing at this point because, like, everything is – you can shop online and you can just get it delivered to your door. But I will say the thing I'd probably get in a fight for is no names, all game merchandise coming soon to you, hopefully sometime 2020. That's a great answer. Yeah. I'll go with also that possibly <laughs> gaming console as well. Yeah. Yeah, if there's, like, a new Xbox or PlayStation that came yeah. out and you could only get them in stores, but – I don't know. I'm too old for that shit. I'll What's throw that? down. What's I'll that? Down. You're gonna throw down. I've, I've been, you know, I've been looking at just getting into a fight with somebody stuck at Minnesota Walls. <laughs> What's your What's your style? What's your style if you're gonna fight a guy for, for an Xbox? Quarters have to learn how to cover. <laughs> <laughs> just channel your inner rage. Tariq Castro feels damn it. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Make a play on the ball. <laughs> So getting back to the football questions, uh, I like this. Walk on red shirts. They start with football. They throw two fun ones in there, and then they end with football. You guys are cool. We'll have to do a, uh, a crossover podcast with them at some point. Um, last one, does Chase Young have more or less than 1.5 sacks? Gentlemen, just so you know, the industry terms are under over, but we'll, uh, we'll allow it this time. Uh, under over, one and a half sacks. Going with the over. Yeah, it's... Again, if we're being real, I think he gets two sacks. If we're being real, I think he has two. Um, he's a beast. And he honestly, be... that's I'd be pretty happy with that. Like if Penn State gives up two sacks to Chase Young, as long as there's not like a bunch of other guys also getting them, you can't be that disappointed. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know which side of the field he lines up typically. I should probably know this, but I think he's gonna be lining up against Rashid Walker. Yeah, so it'll be. Right I mean, it would be Rashid or Will Fries, and Rashid. I mean. For a first year starting left tackle, has been good. Um, there have been times where he has looked a bit exposed, uh, particularly Iowa against AJ Epinesa. He's getting thrown around a bit. Um, AJ Epinesa is another first round talent. Um, yeah, uh, so let, let's start there. Unless this is your key to victory, I don't want to spoil anything. But what's what's the key to stopping Chase Young? <sighs> Hell, if I know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you knew that, you'd be a coach and you'd be making yeah, a lot right. of money. Yeah, I'm not sure anyone in the country knows the key to stopping that kid. Yeah, I, I mean he's a monster. He's going to be the number one pick or or the first non QB pick for a reason. Um, 
I think, I mean, I think this will be another another testament or another challenge test, however you want to say it, for Ricky Ron in the offense is, are you creative enough to find ways to limit him? You're not going to stop him, right? Not going to happen. But are you creative enough to find a way to keep an extra running back in? Maybe it's Ricky Slade in there in pass protection with Journey Brown on the other side. Do you have packages where you have Fryermuth and Bowers both on the field? Someone aiding blocking and, and someone, you know, looping out. Um I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but you can't, you cannot let Rashid Walker go with him one on one or any of our offensive linemen. That's not a knock on Rashid. It's just like if you're going to trust one of our offensive linemen to go one on one with him all game, he's going to get to the quarterback many, many times. Yeah. And I think maybe we're going to have to work with some shorter, quicker routes, mm-hmm. uh, getting rid of the ball fast, things like that. Yeah. And I, again, I think if we can hold. Chase Young to two sacks or less, and Ohio State is a team to three or less. You can't be unhappy with that performance. I agree. I agree, and I think I think um, I think yeah, it'll be a test. Can Ricky adapt the offense to account for that? And then two, I think this will be a really important test for Clifford too, man. Like I said, first year starter on the road. I I want to see him make quick decisions to not take sacks himself. Like if if offensive line get beat and there's nothing he can do, fine. But if he's like trying to dance around there and not being decisive and taking them on himself, then that becomes a bit more of a problem. So, yeah, um, a lot of keys there. But yeah, all in all, Chase Young's a monster. You got to find a way to stop him. We all remember the fourth and five. I don't want to bring that up, but I'm bringing it up. He was the guy that stopped that. Um, all right, next one, CJ Scalzetti, CJ Goon. What up, man? Um, said, think OSU could be a bit rusty after playing no one with a pulse in a month. That's a statement, but let's take that as a question. Do you think they could be rusty? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'll be rusty at all. Um, doesn't matter who they've played. They've, they've dominated. Um, and I think the big thing is uh, most of the time their starters are out by halftime or third quarter. Uh, I think it was J.K. Dobbins was asked in an interview, like, how do you feel about having to play a fourth a four-quarter game coming up against Penn State and Michigan? And he kind of laughed and said, why do they have to be four quarters? Um, <laughs> that's a cocky confidence that I don't want, I don't want to deal with. Um but I, I don't think Ohio State sees it as like, you know, they haven't played a full game, so they'll be rusty. Like, they know they can if they need to. They just haven't had to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, CJ goes on to say, I think for us to win, we have to adapt to the Giants-Bills Super Bowl gameplay of long drives and eating clock. Go over the top when available. Pass D must be better or we could get blown out. Um, agree with all of that. And then second tweet from CJ says, I do think the alpha dogs on the team have been circling this game for a while. It will come out big, especially Parsons and Hamler. Dear God, I hope healthy. To quote Harbaugh, this could be our finest hour. And then CJ gives some predictions of his heart and his head. I'm not going to say those now because we're going to get to our predictions first. I'll come back to you later, CJ. Um, Let's see, let's see, what else? Uh, JJ Apostolico. I'm definitely saying that wrong. Apostolico? Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, says, if Hamler's out, bet our team total under. Yeah, that's it's not very positive. That's more of a comment. I'm going to get over these comments and get back to questions here. Um, Michael, uh, at M-I-C-J-A-M-E, at McJane, says, how badly do we miss Jawan as a third wideout target? Uh, not that badly because he didn't get that many receptions either. Yeah, I uh, I think this is an argument a lot of people like to make when the, when it fits the narrative, right? 
Jawan has had a good last couple of weeks at Oregon. He had that big game where he broke out for three touchdowns. He had a nice touchdown. I think last week it was like a flea flicker or something that Herbert hit him deep. Um, he's looked he's looked good and he's looked much better, and I'm super super happy for him. That being said, he was fully he healthy. He was fully healthy from what we understand in a Trace McSorley offense and was supposed to be the guy. Didn't produce. Now maybe I, I don't know how they're using him as Oregon. Maybe he should be a two or a three, and maybe lining up as the one wasn't ideal for him. I don't know. Um, but I think I think if he was having a, like a complete down year and didn't score any touchdowns, we wouldn't even be asking this question. So happy that he's doing well. I don't think it matters. Um, and then Michael, second question says, what are the chances uh, Hamler and Fryermuth both return next year for a run at championships? We kind of talked about this earlier, but um, let me ask you this way. Do you think our success this year, or how much do you think our success this year plays into their decision? Like if we go and we win the Big Ten championship, does that make it easier for them to leave? I don't think so. I, I, I think it does. I think if we go and we win the Big Ten championship, we're even in the playoff. I think it makes it maybe a bit easier to say, hey, I had my glory. I, you know, I won a Big Ten championship. I'm ready to go to the NFL. Um, if we get trashed by Ohio State and we, you, know, you got a sour taste in your mouth, that's a little bit more of like, all right, I want to come back and, and ball out. Um, but it's, there's so many factors, man. There's so many factors. And with guys like that um, where there's money, significant money on the line as you know, top of their positions. I mean, I think KJ Hamler, we, we tweeted it out, uh, Matt Miller from Bleacher Report had him as his number seven wide receiver in the country. Pretty damn good. Um, he'll test yeah. well. Teams very like deep receiver class this year, though, which I think might affect his decision. Yeah, I, I'm still on the I'm still on the the side that I think he comes back. Um, of course, the wear and tear sucks to be you know a smaller guy and one more season in college. But I just think I think one more season fix some of the drop things, show off your true playmaking ability. Because, like, we've had him as a kick returner and punt returner, but he hasn't done a ton with it this year, like we saw the flashes of last year. I think another year for KJ would do wonders for his draft stock. Um, Pat, I think I think Pat has an easier way to go to the NFL and be a high, high draft pick. So hopefully they come back for runs at the championships, but hopefully, even more hopefully, we just win the damn championship this year. So... Um, all right, uh, two more. Jeffrey Wellizer Jr. says at the end of 2015 season, Franklin took a look at his offense and realized it was stale. He hired Joe Moorhead, and the rest is history. Every QB that PSU plays against looks like an all-star. Do you see him making a change at D coordinator because the scheme looks stale? Nah. I, I don't see him ever getting rid of Brent Pry, which is not... I don't mean that in a bad way. I think I think Brent Pry has been good enough. I think he's shown signs of genius and signs of dominance. Um, not even signs, stretches of it. Like we've seen stretches where this defense has been dominant. For the beginning of the year, we were the number one, number two defense in the country. Hell, we're still what number six, seven, or something like that. Um, a scoring defense, we're seventh. We're allowing thirteen and a half points. Does it look stale? I think that's some recency bias. I think that's the last two games. Um, have we had issues every year? Yes, but I think most defenses do. Um, I think the loyalty part, the family aspect of it, I think Franklin and Pry are incredibly close. Pry has turned down head coaching options because he loves working for James Franklin. I don't see it going that way. I think the way 
if it happens, if they have that conversation of like, hey, things aren't working out, they will find like a smooth exit where he has a head coaching opportunity and that'll be his out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and I don't think especially it would come after a season like this. No. It would have to be after a bad season. <laughs> like, think like, about it. I, not even just, like, the defensive stats, but in terms of – Penn State even loses this game. A 10-2 a season, at when our people were expecting us to get, like, seven or eight wins. Yeah. I, I don't think you can realistically fire your defensive coordinator. No, not at all. It, it's, it's not warranted. It's not – I mean – I think the backlash from that would be worse than, you know, who you're going to bring in to replace him. Um, so I agree. Um, and, and, yeah, 13 and a half points per game. Like, even with these last two games where we let up a shit ton. Even if we let up a shit ton to Iowa State, like, you're still going to have a top 10 scoring defense. Just isn't going to happen. Um, all right, and last question comes from Joe Ferguson. says, who poses a bigger threat, Dobbins or Olave? Olav, Olave, I don't know how to say his name, um, but those are Ohio State's top skill position players. J.K. Dobbins is their top running back, um, one of the top running backs in the country. He will be um, a draft pick in the NFL next year. Looking at him, he's got about 1,300 yards on the season, averaging seven yards per rush, which is insane. Um, I did the math. I always like taking out the long just to see how much it, it impacts. His long is a 68-yard run. You take that out, he's still averaging 6.7, 6.8 yards per rush. So there, there are no outliers. And when you have 183 attempts, of course, there can't be an outlier. Um, but he's, in, he's a very, very talented running back. Chris Olave, Chris Olave, 37 receptions, 593 receiving yards, and nine touchdowns. So, Pat, question to you, who is a bigger threat? i got to go with J.K. Dobbins. Um, I you know, he's a tremendous receiver, however you pronounce this kid's name. Um, but he's not, like, off the charts. Like His stats aren't as good as K.J. Hamler's. He's also not the kind of receiver that's really torn us up. He's 6'1", which isn't small but isn't huge. And it's been those big guys that have really killed Penn State so far this season. And on the other hand, J.K. Dobbins just looks next level with his stats, his ability to do everything. Um yeah, I mean, it's just he's averaging like seven yards a catch. <laughs> yeah, and he's got 13 touchdowns. I forgot to mention that. J.K. Dobbins, so 1,300 yards, seven yards to carry, 13 touchdowns. Um, like I said, he'll be a high draft pick um, for a second round, depending on how, how things shake out. There's a lot of good running backs this year. Um, I think it's J.K. Dobbins, too, for a couple of reasons. One, because of his breakaway ability. Um, I mean, again, he has a long of 68. He has several long runs this year. I don't have all of them listed out, but you've seen the highlight reel. This kid can break it. Um, and I think... And there have been some tackling issues the past couple of weeks. It's a great point. It's a great point. I was getting to that. Um, I think our run defense for most of the year has been incredible. If you asked me this question before the last two weeks, I would say, hey, our run defense is incredible. Our secondary has been eh, kind of suspect here and there, so I'll say I'll say the receiver. Now I'm looking at it and saying our secondary looks kind of really bad, so it, it should theoretically be the receiver, but I still feel like it's Dobbins. Um, his breakaway speed, his, his playmaking ability, I think is just fantastic. Um, and I think the other thing is more so not a knock on Chris Olavo Love, however you say it at all, but he's one of three. Like, he's one of three receivers that are all pretty damn good. So you got him, you got Benjamin Victor, and you got K.J. Hill. 
Um, all in the four to 600 yards range. Olav has nine touchdowns. Victor and Hill both have six. So yes, he's the favorite target, right? He has, he has um, second most receptions, most yards, most touchdowns. But there's a trio of guys out there that, that our defense, our secondary have to worry about. Whereas Dobbins is just the man. I mean, their secondary guy, Master Teague, which is hell of a name, Master Teague the third. Great name. Um, he's got seven hundred. Like he's got seven hundred and forty-four yards and four touchdowns. So like, there's not a drop off there either. But he's been playing a lot of like the second half. So I'm rambling, but my answer is J.K. Dobbins. I think he is an incredible running back, and as good as our run D has been, he's a guy that I think can expose some holes, and and we need to shut him down. So. Those are all of our Twitter questions for today. Um, no voicemails. Um, I know we've been slacking. Sweens left one last week. We didn't get to it. Sorry, Sweens. Um, but we'll build that up. We'll build out the voicemail. Uh, I think over the off season we'll do a lot more where we'll do like voicemail episodes. Just people call in. We'll play your stuff on on the show and and kind of answer all of them. Um, but that's not what we're talking about right now. What we're talking about right now is how is this game gonna go and how are we gonna beat. The Ohio State Buckeyes. So, Pat, key to victory. What do we need? And this is not to cover the spread. This is not to stay within 18. This is to win the damn game. What do we need to do? The defensive line is our key to victory, man. Uh, it's going to have to, you know, limit. I don't think you're going to be able to shut down uh, J.K. Dobbins, but limit the run. Um, I think one thing that actually looks good for that favors Penn State in this game is the best part of Ohio State's offense is their running game. It's not their pass. As good as Justin Fields has been, they average more yards on the ground than they do through the air. Mm-hmm. And Penn State has been tremendous against the run, even in these games where the defense hasn't looked great. So that looks good for Penn State. And the other thing that I like is um, what we did see with Tanner Morgan and Peyton Ramsey, how they tore up Penn State secondary. Man, they were getting rid of the ball quick. Justin Fields doesn't do that. He holds on. I mean, not saying he can't. Mm-hmm. but he tends not to. He holds on to the ball. He extends plays. The more he does that, that's, you know, more potential for pressure coming in from our defensive line. So I think if Brent Pry dials up some creative blitzes and our defensive line comes out and creates that chaos that they need to and that they can, that is how Penn State can win this game. Coach chaos, wild dogs. Yeah, man, it's, that's good. I had that on my list. I have a bunch of things that I wrote down. That was one of mine. Um, interesting point about fields, like holding the ball longer. I haven't watched enough Ohio State tape, to be honest, um, to really like dissect that. But I wonder if it's because he doesn't have to get rid of it because his O line is protecting him. Yeah, that could um, be. You know, maybe like that's the Tom Brady effect, right? He doesn't get rid of it quick because he's got all damn day back there. Um, so that could be part of it. Um, you mentioned their their rushing uh, their rushing yards are more than their passing yards per game, and that's another thing with Fields is he's a he's a damn runner too. I mean, I think it's almost, I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but I think it's almost every game that he's had a passing and a rushing touchdown, um, which is insane. Like, the guy can extend plays, he can run all over you, and that's what we talked about before, about him being kind of the most complete. So I agree. I think our defensive line needs to get pressure on him. We need to find a way to to somehow contain that running ability, um, which is really, really difficult, one, to do, and two... Okay, that opens up the pass, right? Like it, it's it's pick your poison, but I think you're right. Is get pressure on fields, stop the run, and pray to God our secondary comes back to form. Like I don't I don't think there's a I don't know if there's a scenario on the reverse of like oh shut down the pass and force them to run. No, they're an incredible running team. 
Like that's not gonna that's not a key for success, even yeah. if our run D is stronger. Like, yeah, that's a perfect world. Our secondary, you know, shuts down and forces them to run, and our run D is so good that they can't. I don't know if that's realistic. Um, my key to victory is simple. It's execution. We have to be perfect. Literally perfect. Um, or as perfect as a team can be. They are too good to have any mistakes on our side that we beat ourselves. So I'm talking turnovers. I'm talking penalties. I'm talking just all the little things that in a Missed game against... Silence. Yeah, a, in a game against an inferior opponent, you can kind of... Get through. Indiana, we made a bunch of mistakes, but we were able to overcome because we were the superior team. We need to be perfect. And it can happen, man. It can happen. Sean Clifford can rally his guys up, can march into Columbus, and beat the shit out of this team. But we got to be perfect. Um, my second one is, is control the clock. So we saw that long drive in Indiana. It was great. Um, I don't think you're going to have multiple nine-minute drives or any nine-minute drives against this offense or Ohio State defense. Um but I think it's really important that we dictate the pace of this game. Like, I don't, I don't think our odds are great if it becomes a shootout. If it becomes a shootout, I think they're just more talented and they win. Um, I think this needs to be a grind-em-out, back-and-forth game of strong defense, making them punt, driving out and, and getting three instead of going three and out. Like, I know you can't change your identity. Franklin has said that. You know, we can't just we can't just try to be super conservative and then end up shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, but I think there's got to be some of that. And you know, it comes down to everything. It comes down to third downs. It comes down to play calling. But find a way to control the clock, execute, dictate the pace of the game, and I think we have a chance. God damn it! I think we have a chance. Get myself jacked up. Uh, don't be surprised, Pat. What should we not be surprised if happens? Uh, I I got so excited about this game. I forgot to think of this. <laughs> you go first. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll cover it. I'll cover it for us both because my notes, what I wrote down in caps, I swear to you, it says this. Literally anything. Don't be surprised if anything happens. Don't be surprised if we go out there and we win. And we win in a good fashion. Don't be surprised if we get our shit kicked in. Don't be surprised if there's a return for a touchdown. Don't be surprised if Justin Shorter goes off. Don't be surprised if Noah Kane crushes. Don't be surprised if they're really good. Like This game is the biggest game of the season. Not hyperbole. It is truly the biggest game of the season. Don't be surprised if anything happens. It could go any which way. I like it. That's true. I, I just think that's true. Yeah. So let's get to our score predictions. Um, like we said before, the under, over, or I'm sorry, the spread is about minus 18 and a half right now. Opened up at 19. It's it bounced around 18, 19, whatever it is. Um, and the under, over, I believe it's 57 and a half last I checked. Um, so Pat, what's your, what's your prediction for this game? Um, I'm going Penn State and the over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, my final score is 35-27 Ohio State. Oh, you fooled me by saying taking Penn State. You meant the points because we're covering the 18. Taking the points. Okay, so say it again. 35 what? That, that's, that's the pick with my head. Yeah. yeah pick yeah. with my head. 35-27. Interesting scores. I like that. Okay. Um, I don't like your prediction, of course, but... David Y. Yeah, it's like I said. This is this is the most talented team. So um, this is the most talented team. Do you want, me to, do you want me to give you a pick from my heart? If you'd like, because I have two. Okay, I have a heart. Pick from my heart. Uh huh. Is I would uh, if you go like thirty-two twenty-eight Penn State. Okay. 
I was going to say, if you take my exact prediction, we'd be pissed because you didn't even have one of those and I allowed it. Uh, would you say 32-28? Yeah. Documenting this for our very strict uh, scorekeeping policy that I haven't done all season. Um, so ahead, yeah, I, I, I have two. I, I'm, I'm going with my, my hopeful pick and my if we lose pick. So kind of your head and your heart. So my, my heart and my hopeful, and it's not even my heart. Like this is my hopeful. This is what I think and I want to believe is going to happen. Is a Penn State 34-31 victory. Very close to yours, 32-28. If we win this game... 31-28, sorry. 31. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how you're getting 32, but yeah, whatever. 31. Maybe we got risky. We went for two on time. Um, yeah, if we win, I think it's something like a 34-31 close game where we are able to you know control those last minutes and, and get into victory formation, something like that. That's what I want. That's what I want to believe. That's what I want every single listener to put out into the universe. Good vibes, good energy. Penn State wins it, 34-31. On the other side, with my head, if we lose, yours was 35-27. I think if we lose, I don't think it's close. And I hate putting this out there in the world. I hate, the, I hate even saying this. I think if we lose, it's because we're just outmatched. They're just too talented for us this year, because we'll be back. I think it's something like a 44-24. I think it's a big-time, big-time victory for them. Um, and that would suck. That would suck a lot um, because I think morale-wise, that would, that would really hurt us. Um, but I think it goes back to some of the things that we talked about. I think we talked about this last year, and I think it was even Jake from, from the Walk on Red Shirts that, that responded to one of our tweets that, yeah, Ohio State in past years, like they lost to Purdue by like 20 that's a wake-up call. That sh that gets you right because you see, hey, we got to get some things fixed. Like close losses and close wins are very easy to mask some of your inefficiencies. Oh, guys, we were this close. We just gotta we just gotta be a little bit better. I think if we lose, it's just because we're outmatched. We get beat bad, and we take a hard look in the mirror, a hard look in the mirror, and get right for next year with hopefully a lot of this core team back. So. Ending on a positive note, we're going to win this 34-31. It's not a big deal. We're going to move on. We're going to go beat the shit out of Rutgers, and we're going to go to the Big Ten Championship and avenge our loss to Minnesota. That's what's going to happen. That's right, baby. But everything else we talked about are the hypotheticals of what could happen. Um, I did say I did tell CJ I'd shout him out. He was similar. Uh, his head was Ohio State 34, Penn State 24, heart Penn State 27, Ohio State 24. So I think we're all in that same same mindset. If we win, we're going to grind out a win, win by a couple. If we lose, it'll be a little bit bigger. Um, but this is it, man. Like we, we do this podcast because we like talking, but the talking's done. Like that's why I didn't. That's why I didn't really care about the Indiana recap as much because like nothing matters except this game. Nothing matters except Saturday at noon in Columbus. Let's 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 hope for a good one. I don't know what else to say, man. Anything uh, anything else that you want to talk about before we close this out? Oh God, just. Make me proud, boys. Make us proud, boys. Thanks to everyone for writing in. A lot of good Twitter questions. Um, yeah, I'll probably be live tweeting this one. I don't know where I'm going to watch it. Um, maybe at my apartment, maybe at a bar. Definitely going to be tweeting. Interact with us because we're either going to celebrate together, we're going to be hyped together, or we will commiserate and, and drink our sorrows away. But Penn State in Columbus getting the victory. It's going to happen. Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State. We are.